You're listening to Rooted, a podcast by the Association of Black Psychologist Student Circle. In this episode, Henry Willis calls in to talk about his new cell phone app for African-American youth mental health, Ashe. Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of Rooted, uh, the podcast by the Student Circle. We're joined by a very talented, uh, very you know, influential, for all of us, uh, a student by the name of Henry Willis. Um, Henry, why don't you go out and uh, introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, thanks for the welcome. i um, happy to talk about some of my research. Uh, again, my name is Henry Willis. I'm currently at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, I'm studying clinical psychology. I'm actually in my fourth going on 50 years in the um, doctoral program here at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, and pretty broadly, my research looks at how risk factors such as experiences of racial discrimination um, affect mental health. And I also look at how protective factors such as racial identity beliefs kind of help protect against experiences such as racial discrimination. And I study these types of relationships with African-American youth. Um, and the whole point of my research is to really learn how we can take this knowledge and really impact mental health services um, and really uh, transform mental health services for African-American youth. Beautiful. And uh, Henry actually had a little bit of like a positive press. Was it the first time you went viral? online was that uh is that the, an accurate way to describe it going viral yeah i think that um, i think that's what the the kids will say yeah. <laughs> um yeah but even before we get into to that your your current um some of your current projects i guess can you talk about a little bit, bit what got you interested in i guess the field and how you chose your area of research yeah um so i've been interested in psychology for a very long time i actually studied at Howard University for my undergrad degree, and I studied psychology and African-American studies there. And I really started to become interested in kind of how these cultural processes or experiences like racial discrimination impact mental health for African-Americans when I was studying, um, completing my master's at Columbia University. So long story short, while I was at Columbia, I was a research assistant at a research lab um, that offer a lot of different free treatments. And we were treating very serious anxiety disorders. And as long as you're eligible, you could receive these treatments. Um, but I noticed as a research assistant that we didn't have people of color, especially African-American um, clients who are receiving these free treatments. And this really struck a chord with me because we were, um, Number one, we were in Washington Heights in New York City, which is a predominantly Latinx neighborhood. Exactly. But maybe 10 minutes away is Harlem, which we know is one of the biggest African-American um, neighborhoods, not only in the city, but possibly in the country as mm -hmm. well. And so this really got me exploring how not only we may not know how psychological symptoms function in African-Americans, because, you know, they aren't actually in our research studies, mm -hmm. but we also, the treatments that we they are, you know, really effective, may not actually be effective for this group because, again, they aren't in our study. So this is kind of how I became passionate around looking at ways to transform mental health treatment so that they are culturally adapted and responsive to African-Americans. Yeah, that's a 
a really like interesting and and I think a lot of people can relate, you know, especially a lot of us, you know, black students in psychology feeling that, you know, we're not well represented in the research or not well represented as, as people behind the research. And especially as, you know, young up and coming uh, professionals in the field of psychology, I think we see a lot of students taking new, uh, new methods or trying to uh, take their research in, 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 new, in new directions. And I think you're a fantastic example of that because uh, more than just contributing to the uh, available literature, you took it and added this aspect of technology to it, right? Where you are behind this new, uh, uh, this soon to be cell phone app, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So I was curious. So you talked a little bit about your inspiration be- behind the app, but h- how did you even get into the the process? You know, a lot of people you know speak about this, but you know, how how did you actually get into the process of creating the the app? Yeah. So I really became interested in mobile health technology um, a few years ago. Um, it's something that I started to uh, practice around with in my research lab at Columbia. And I actually started to collaborate with other researchers using digital intervention. So I helped to create um, a website that helped African-American youth um, basically evaluate media for diversity and inclusion. And basically, I thought, why can't we have this for mental health, especially among African-American youth and young adults? Um, and one reason I thought this was really important is because we see We've seen this deep rise in suicide, um, either attempts or either successful suicides among African-American youth and young adults. I think mm-hmm. just last week we saw the suicide of a young black boy exactly. um, because he was being taunted for his sexuality uh, about his, or being bullied about his sexuality. And just and it reflects there, there are national reports that are showing that suicide rates specifically among African-American youth and young adults are higher than other racial ethnic groups for like the first time in um, probably ever. And so we know that also mental health symptoms, especially those negative mental health symptoms are the precursors to suicide, suicide ideation and suicide attempts. And so basically I thought it would be great if we could have something developed specifically for African-American youth and young adults to maybe help them cope uh, with these negative mental health symptoms. and. If you think about it, mobile health technology isn't this kind of far-fetched or kind of new novel type of technology. Like mm-hmm. if you have a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or anything like that, you're already kind of using a form of mobile health technology, like you're counting your steps or you're tracking your weight and calories burned. And all of these things people are using on a daily basis for physical health. And so now I think it's important for us to start to move um, into the mental health realm. Um, so that's basically how I got into the that passion around developing mobile health for African American youth specifically. Yeah, and that was going to be my uh, my next question is. So I know a few people. There, there are a few apps I think that are you know gaining some popularity based in in mindfulness or whether they be kind of like these teletherapy uh, type apps um, that pe- mm-hmm. that people are beginning to use. So I guess what makes the experience of your cell phone app uh, distinct. I know it's uh, targeted to African American uh, people in particular, and African American youth specifically. But what about your app makes it, you know, a specific uh, beneficial experience for uh, that population? 
Yeah, great question. So in developing the app, the first thing that I wanted to do was, one, really figure out, do we need a new app just for this group? Like like you mentioned, there are apps that are out there that are starting to get popularized that are for mental health. And so I wanted to see, one, do, do the apps that we have on the market, do they meet the needs of African-American youth and young adults? Um, and if not, what things would they need to be more effective? And so actually this past summer, I conducted around a dozen focus groups with African-American young adults to kind of assess or answer these questions. And so um, not only did we talk about, you know, racial identity and experiences of discrimination and how that relates to mental health treatments and using mobile health technology, um, I also had them test a lot of the current apps that are free and available on the market. And generally, the consensus from all my entire, all of my focus groups were that, you know, the apps that we have on the market are good, but they don't accurately meet the needs or effectively meet the needs of this group, mostly because they don't address the experiences um, that are unique to this population. And one of the things that came up over and over again, of course, is the experience of racial discrimination. So one thing that my app will incorporate is some of the evidence that we have from African-American psychology on not only the nature of racial discrimination and how it impacts mental and physical health, but also strategies to process and cope with um, racial discrimination. Um, similarly, they didn't have a lot of content that was related to helping them figure out their racial identity and navigate what it means to be an African-American in, you know, the United States, in a country where you can pull up your social media and see people who look like you being shot online, for example, or, you know, you're commonly devalued in society or you experience microaggressions on a daily basis. A lot of the apps, or most, if not all of the apps on the market, none of them speak to these types of experiences and what and these type of things about race. And so another unique thing about the app is that it's going to incorporate content related to racial identity belief and helping people navigate um, these types of beliefs and kind of um, really foster positive racial and ethnic um, identity beliefs to help hopefully improve coping skills related to these types of race-related stressors. Hey man, listen. This sounds. This already sounds beautiful. So, <laughs> thank you um, for my own education. Like so, because I'm definitely going to be downloading this thing as soon as I can get it on my my Android phone. Um, what, what is what is that experience going to be like? So, uh, the launch day comes. I I download it on my phone and I and I tap into it. Um, what what is my experience like uh, ap- after that? Yeah, great question. So the first thing is you're going to be prompted to create a profile. And this profile is going to go beyond like your basic demographics, but it's going to also ask you things about your your racial identity beliefs and your previous experiences related to discrimination. It's also going to ask you about your perception of your mental health. And from there, it'll prompt you to kind of create uh, an individualized mental health plan. And this plan will incorporate not only things for traditional coping with traditional mental health symptoms like meditation or maybe exercising to make you feel better or feel happier, but it'll also um, help you set up things like receiving daily messages related to race or reading different types of content that's related to racial identity or coping with racial discrimination. So that's one of the first things you'll encounter when you open the app. Um, but from there, we're also going to have a landing page where you just have 
people will have the ability to access um, effective different prevention and intervention techniques. So if you want to add something to your weekly or monthly plan, you can do that. There's also going to be a community page where you can talk to other African-American youth and young adults, as well as other researchers and providers that identify as African-American. Uh, we're also going to incorporate a find a therapist tool. So if you want to find a therapist of color in your area, um, you'll be able to go to that page and it'll use your location to highlight uh, people in your area and hopefully display like, you know, their insurance and et cetera. So that's some of the things you'll encounter, you know, as you navigate the app. No, so the app sounds like an amazing experience. And I guess I'm just left uh, curious because, again, we're talking about addressing the needs and the relative stresses of African-American youth in particular. So in your research and through conversation and just being a young individual yourself, um, what have you found that's maybe distinct about the experience of, of racism and discrimination and stress in general among millennials and I think the in Gen Z as well? Um, in, yeah, in terms of those, those experiences of uh, distress and whatnot. Yeah, that's a really great question. It actually links to not only just some personal thoughts I have and experience, it's also just really a new direction that I've been taking my research in over the past year, in addition to looking at mobile health. Um, so we know that African-American youth and young adults, they continue to experience um, discrimination in the more typical ways, maybe like face-to-face -face or in a personal um, kind of experiences with discrimination, as well as those microaggressions, as well as vicarious experiences. So, you know, other family members or close friends being close, being um, um, experiencing discrimination. But the one thing that's unique about youth and millennials in general is the rise of cyber racism and online racial discrimination. Um, and really thinking about it because it can look like so many different things that we are we're still in the beginning phases of understanding how to measure it and explore it and track it um, because that's one of the difficult things. We have so many types of social media channels. We have so many ways to experience online racial discrimination to the point where it's really hard to get an accurate sense of how it is affecting youth and young adults. But we know that it is. So... Mm -hmm. Um, and one, I have a study that's actually about to be published in the next month or so um, in a journal of adolescent health where I worked with a colleague, Dr. Rendisha Tynes, and we looked at a nationally representative sample of African-American and Latinx adolescents. And we found that watching video, traumatic online videos of like police shootings or seeing kids and families locked up in cages or seeing African-Americans being beat up online was linked or are linked to increased post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms mm. among this nationally representative youth. And and this is something it's not groundbreaking. We know like if you've ever seen these videos of like Orlando Castile being shot on Facebook Live or, you know, people getting arrested or beat by the police, the people that look like you, we know that this makes us more anxious in our daily life. This makes us more hyper vigilant and it's does cause these stress responses. But the unique thing about millennial youth, millennials and youth is that these experiences often aren't regulated and they often don't have a perpetrator. Um, they can maybe expose these videos one, two times to over a dozen times. 
especially if you're involved in like activism, for example, you may be exposed to a lot of these online race-related experiences. And even when I was developing the app, that was something that came up. Um, there was a story one of my participants talked about, um, and she said on Twitter and Facebook, people are just so mean and so racist. And she said that she's never been attacked personally, but she had a friend at a protest for at a Confederate statue, and that friend received hundreds of online death threats and race-related negative threats. And even though it wasn't directed to her, it made her angry and upset. So we can see that these online experiences can even be vicarious, too. And it's hard to control them because, you know, Twitter and Facebook is the Internet. is often not regulated uh, to a point where we can protect ourselves against that experience. So I think that's a unique way that African-American youth and millennials experience these race-related stressful events. And they do have an impact on their mental health. Listen, that's an incredible point, um, and I think uh, it's one of the things I think a lot of young professionals in psychology and older people as well are pushing back against. Like, there's that idea that you know trauma can't be experienced through through screens, right? That if you find it mm-hmm. uh, in a video on a U- in a YouTube video or in a Facebook link, that doesn't count as, as a trauma. But kind of like what the research is showing, what your what your work is showing, right? Is that no these experiences where you see these people who who look like you brutally uh, brutally hurt brutally murdered, it has an effect that might be past like maybe uh, j- just understanding it as a general anxiety. You know what I mean? Like maybe these experiences mm-hmm. are actually ex- incredibly traumatic. Um, so yeah, the work that you're talking about is is uh, I think very very important. Um, and, and and more than that, I'm happy that it's informing. The, the, the type of treatments that you're building. You know what I mean? I, I'm happy that that type of literature is informing the work that you're doing with, with the app. Cause I think not enough uh, people actually, I guess, use this available literature in, in, the, in their treatments. Exactly. And just going forward as a field, not only just for treatment, it's just what we know about mental health among African-Americans in general, we need to start to, you know, incorporate these more novel ways that race-related stress are experienced because, I mean, like it or not, social media is is something that is ingrained in our daily lives at this point, and we experience life not only in, in a personal context, but in online context as well, and the quicker we start to explore how being an African-American in these online contexts context can expose us to unique experiences, um, the quicker we can start to advance what we know about African-American psychology and mental health. And I guess more to your point, right, the, I mean, the experience of social media uh, connects us much more to just the experience within uh, within the U.S., right? We're connected to mm-hmm. black people throughout the diaspora who are also experiencing these uh, vicarious traumas or these direct traumas and seeing it um, play out sometimes in person, but also sometimes, like, yeah, on their social media apps. So I'm curious, like, is there any plan moving forward to expand this app towards uh, for, for people throughout the diaspora, you know, whether that be uh, in, in uh, black people in Europe or, you know, black people throughout uh, the different various African countries throughout the Caribbean? Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a really great question. It's something that 
I've actually have been thinking about as far as thinking about the future of this app. So the really cool and unique thing about the research that is going to, that's the foundation of this app is that in my focus groups, I think a good quarter of the people that I recruited actually also identify with other identities found throughout the diaspora, so Ghanaian or Nigerian or St. Martin. Um, and a lot of the things that came up around race in thinking about mental health is kind of this double identity between being um, racialized black in the United or from like a U.S. perspective, but also being first generation African um, from their perspective or first generation African British, like you were saying, and kind of this duality between cultures and how that is a unique kind of experience in regards to not only seeking mental health treatment and using mobile health technology, but even just, um, you know, how these symptoms are talked about or experienced. And so all that to say is, um, yes, um, luckily I, I did have some of those voices um, from the diaspora within my study, and I hope to use their their um, experiences to inform uh, the type of content that's in the app, so to kind of speak to what it means to maybe be, you know, to balance this duality of being or having an African-American identity or being seen as African-American, but also being identifying throughout the diaspora. And as the app continues to develop, I actually hope to continue to recruit different focus groups from people, not only of different, um, from across the diaspora to, you know, really enrich the content that we have in the app, but of also intersecting identities. So really trying to get people with intersecting sexual minority identities. And um, really, we had a lot of African-American women in the groups, but still finding that out to see, you know, what's that intersection between racial and gender discrimination as well. Um, and really try to highlight the heterogeneity in, you know, what it means to be black and that experience and how that impacts mental health. I mean, I, I'm saying this a lot, but again, this <laughs> this sounds beautiful. This sounds like a, a beautiful idea, a beautiful project, and I'm very happy that you're doing it. Um, and I'm curious, so a lot of the uh, ideas and techniques that you're talking about are extremely uh, novel. You know, you, you spoke about not, uh, this not being the only uh, mental health app, mm -hmm. but w being you know one of the first to specifically target African-American youth. Um, and I think the energy that that, that occurred around it uh, in terms of it getting picked up, being, being picked up by various outlet outlets was because of that, because it represented such a unique uh, necessity. Um, uh, but because of that, I can also imagine that uh, maybe around you, there weren't as many people that had experience uh, developing uh, this type of app or engaging in this type of research. So I'm curious, what type of uh, support or mentorship did you have uh, moving throughout this project? Yeah, great question. Yeah, there are not a lot of people doing technology in the yeah. clinical psychology department. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, but luckily, we do. I do have a, um, a faculty member who I talk to a lot. And I'm really close with in the department that does that has some experience with technology um, interventions for families um, for low socioeconomic status families. So she was a guide and kind of helping me think about what kind of technology I want to develop. Um, I've also have been just talking to, there's, there's been a lot of learning as I go, honestly, just because I'm from a psych background and not a primarily tech background. So it's just a lot of learning as I grow, go kind of research and I've been collaborating with um, computer science um, people at the institution um, as well to kind of help me start to figure out 
learn like the different language behind building the technology and and I'm actually partnering with some African American um, computer science undergraduates at my institution to help me and they're helping me build the prototype of the app right now. Um, So my whole idea is to continue to utilize this um, cross-disciplinary approach with um, people of color, scholars of color, and kind of building this app and just kind of relying on the intersection between computer science and technology and psychology. Wow. So with that in mind, I guess, is there any is there any advice you give to somebody, uh, maybe another student or even a, a professional at this point? Because uh, with, with the amount of work you've done, you're probably a little bit further along than most people when it comes to combining psychology and, and, and yeah, the cell phone app uh, realms. So would you have any advice for people who are interested in, 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 in taking a step uh, in that direction? Yeah, my, I think my biggest piece of advice is to not be intimidated by lack of knowledge or what you may not know. Um, it's just really, if that's something that you want to do, just continue to talk to people and spread your idea and really look for opportunities to just start the research because I feel like once you start, this, you're going to get on a roll, <laughs> for lack of better words. Um, and that's kind of what I did. It's something that I've been interested in and have been saying that I'm going to do since I started my graduate career and then I finally got funding um, to, to do the focus groups and to do start the foundational research in the design and development phase and from there if things have have become easier and easier as I continue to um, pursue this so really just don't be intimidated if, even if you don't know anything about technology um, just kind of jump in there talk to someone anyone and things will and you'll eventually find your path um so henry again thank you so much for you know your wisdom your intelligence your experience a uh, very unique experience that you've been through i would say the past uh, the past year de- just developing this project and experiencing i'm sure the, the the tidal wave of attention that comes with uh brilliance in fact uh so thank you again for taking the time to to talk with me to talk with the student circle um any parting words that you had uh for any any of the listeners? Uh, yeah, first of all, thank you, Student Circle. Um, I appreciate it coming on and discussing this project and the future of this work. Um, I guess parting words should be, you know, stick to your path, stick to your passions, and um, eventually things will fall into place. Uh, and this has been another episode of Rooted. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you.